Welcome, welcome, guys. Uh, episode 13, Cut the Curve. I'm Philip Flipman Zweig. I've been in the game 23 years now in Arizona. Um, on Cut the Curve, I interview moguls, mentors, and entrepreneurs. And I'm um, happy today to have Tristan here. Tristan, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much um, for the invitation. Um, Tristan um, and I met through Instagram, I, be I believe. And That's right. Yeah, and uh, Tristan, one of the things I first noticed about Tristan is his ability to network. I saw him all over uh, Instagram, Facebook, he was everywhere. So um, wanted to hear more, Tristan, about your journey from the UK, I believe. You're originally from the UK to, That's right. to Arizona and yeah. all in between, all that good stuff. I, I first saw you with Pace Morby. That's the very first time. And, Pace, shout out, he got me on to Instagram two and a half years ago, and he's out here in Arizona doing amazing things. So what brought you from the UK to Arizona? That's always a great question. Um, so I, I became a pen pal with somebody in the US through a old, very old technology called ICQ. It was one of those kind of very early instant messaging things. And um, we got to know each other over about three years and we met face to face in in washington state originally and ended up getting married had two children who were amazing and uh we got divorced life changed a little bit at the end of the 2000s um we'd been living here in the U u.s in phoenix for so real quick so was it for a girl you moved to the united states basically yeah. for your former wife then right yeah oh wow absolutely amazing. yeah we, we okay. lived in the uk originally uh -huh. um, fell pregnant she wanted to have the baby near her family, so we, we moved to Phoenix. Um, 2005, we bought a house, um, 250,000, well, two and a half thousand square foot house, $250,000, and very quickly it went up, which was great. But then when my dad got sick in 2009 and we moved back to the UK, um, I was trying to sell it, but of course it wasn't worth $250,000 right, at right. that point. Because as we remember, the market collapsed overnight. Um, so were you doing real estate at that time? No, I'd been in a career of IT for, when I left it, probably about two years ago. Um, probably about 20 plus years, 22 years, okay, I think, in IT. Okay. I had a feeling you knew technology when we were setting up here, so yeah. I didn't know your background. So you have a degree in technology no i've I, I came originally from um I, I was first interested in design okay in the uk originally there was a tv series called howard's way in the uk which was i was raised in cornwall which is the most southwesterly point of the uk um i mean if you look at michigan like that the uk is kind of like that but that way around from where people look in there it's the closest part ah, to america land's okay. end is you know on the peninsula so three sides of the county are surrounded by ocean so I always loved the ocean, boats. I was never a sailor, but um, being accused of having a sailor's mouth at some point during life, but um, definitely enjoyed the water, the, the look of boats. So I started drawing boats and things, and then cars and different things. So I thought about architecture originally, didn't really resonate with eight years at university, and then ended up in catering, which is where I learned customer service, problem solving. And without that's big and, guys. Yeah, and, and the other service. week, I was just thinking about that's where I learned how to mirror people, how to listen to problems. You know, Steve wrote the book Active Listening 2.0. So 
Steve. Steve Trang. Okay, see, I'm learning too. Um, Steve, guys who don't know Steve Trang, he's an author of a book, uh, Listening 2.0. Yeah, Active oh, Listening, yeah. Active Listening, okay. So between that and Chris Voss, piecing those things together and learning much more advanced skills, um, you know, then zooming through what I was interested in in IT for some time, loved the possibilities that you could go through with so many disciplines, but then in the end just got burnt out with it, too many hours working, and then, then Red Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and, you know, assets versus liabilities, that was a game changer in my mind and changed my life. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Steve Trang sat here last week. He said the same thing. He was an engineer at Intel, and that's what changed his life, guys. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So if you haven't read that book, that would be a great, great start, guys. That, I've read it. We have the board game now, and it's basically um, how to get out of the rat race, yeah. and it breaks uh, into the four quadrants of the different quadrants, and it's... And that was the next book I read of Kiyosaki. The quadrants, Cash for yes. The quadrants, yes. Yeah. So he contrasts... The rich dad versus the poor dad. So the rich dad is not the one with all the degrees, but the one with all the real estate, the assets, that passive income that makes him wealthy without you killing his time. So the other yeah. uh, dad was a professor, and he had to work hard for the money versus the money working hard for him. So Absolutely. definitely check out that book. Yeah. And so you read that book. Were you here in the U.S. at that time? Yep. I, I moved back to the U.K. in 2009, came back in 2011, continued down the path of IT, knowing within a year or two that I didn't want to be in IT for the rest of my life. I enjoyed photography, music, which we talked about a minute ago. And uh, I just wasn't sure that wasn't going to be a, a you know, a, a lucrative business for me. What was it that you didn't like about, because when you hear IT, you think that's a six-figure job, right? Like you, it, it certainly was, uh -huh. um, very much so. What I didn't like about it was I felt very siloed, very, it wasn't, it wasn't very creative. I'm a very creative person. That kind of dried up my creativity for some, some time, um, and it really empowered me to sort of see what could be done within, you know, but I, I kind of did it without knowing what I was doing. I did a live-in flip in my property in Phoenix in 2017. I so met. Th that was your first action to do. You yeah. read the book, but then you actually. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'd read the book exactly then or just afterwards. But I met Manny Cabria, another okay. beautiful human being. He did his first flip right next door to my house. Oh I my just goodness. finished mine. We just got talking about stuff, and I know I didn't read the book at that point now, because we talked about what he was doing, and it was kind of, oh, that sounds a bit interesting. But and his flip was right next to yours. Yes. Amazing how the universe connects Absolutely. certain people in your life. Yeah. And then from there, how did that first flip, was that one you lived in? I lived in it. It was okay. disgustingly dusty and horrible, but it was a joy to see the end product, live in it for a couple of years. I've and then been doing that now in the luxury so like when they're yeah. down and all that it's it's yeah. disgusting but it's yeah. worth the i'm sure you how did that go that first one it you? went really well i i bought my first well i bought the house in 2013 two years after i got back because i had the foreclosure in 2009 because i moved overseas 
try to work with the bank. But Banks, we had plenty of foreclosures. They yeah. would not do anything. Because I paid the mortgage right up until the day I left, they weren't willing to work with me until I stopped paying. And of course, when I left, I'd been trying to work with them for four or five months, knowing this was coming. Yes. So, you know, part of my mission, not to skip too far forward, is now to help as many people as I can avoid foreclosure from what I learned from that experience personally. Love it. As a consumer, now I use my experience in real estate to, to springboard yeah. people to recovery, you know. And for me, too, it's all about helping others and, and solving problems, right? Because yeah. if you don't know what you don't know, someone knows it. So like yeah. yourself, you're educating others on helping them with their foreclosures mm -hmm. because that's, that's like life-changing. Like you're like, it's very scary when you're going through a foreclosure. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, and to understand the psychology of it, I wasn't in distress in that sense because... I had a situation where I'd paid up to the last day, but so many of these people now coming into the forefront of our view, the investors that have just got into the business in the last three or four years, they've never seen this before. Mm -hmm. There were foreclosures before COVID, obviously, but the volume of them is going to accelerate very quickly, and it's, it's going to be a slew of, of opportunity for us to prevent foreclosures. Absolutely. Provide you know, housing for people. Do you that think don't we're going to get back to short sales? Uh, I've already got two. Oh, I've just closed on one, two. On I didn't buy it, but we we let a seller through a short sale. Took them through a loan mod from a year ago. It took us eight months to have that declined. There's a second property she owns, so she didn't have quite the benefits of the loan mod that she could have had if she lived there. And then we we, we hired somebody, Matthew Potter, locally to manage that one for us. Excellent. And they found a buyer. Whoever bought that bought that. So. So those short one. sales are already happening yeah. as we speak. Wow. And it's interesting to see the change in the, the bank's management of loan mods. Both of these happen to be second homes or you know second properties, whereas I've done about eight loan mods in the last year with, with sellers, um, and we'll come on to the results of those later on. But... You know, from, from putting a, a silent second in place, a second mortgage with without bearing interest just gets paid at, at sale of the property, to now increasing interest rates because it's not, they, were, they would always reset the interest rate to the market level, but of course, before three months ago, we were at very low historical low interest rates. Mm -hmm. So the reset of the interest rate was helpful to the seller or the homeowner. Now we're seeing the one in, in Indiana that I've just done they did a loan mod successfully, but they shortened the 40-year term to a 30-year term with the same interest rate, but it almost doubled the payment for the guy with his arrears put into that. So that wasn't that is now a short sale at this hmm. point. Interesting. Yeah, the banks. Uh, I don't want to get started on the banks here in America, but um, so let's back up a little bit, Tristan. 2017, yeah. you were living in that property. You decided. How did you decide to like? fix it up and, and sell it? Was that just something that... I fixed it up without the intent to sell it, but then when, um, I guess it was going to sell at some point, 2017, my mum passed away in the UK, which is, is segged to another part of the business later on. But yeah, I just wanted to, to improve the house, get rid of this horrible Roman tub and just make it a bit more aesthetically uh -huh. pleasing to right, live right. in. Right, right. Rearrange the layout. Because that's a actually layout. a good way to learn the flip business because, again, you have to 
go out there and I don't, did you use a contractor or did you subcontract or how did you work that one? I kind of did the demo but didn't do the rest of the work. So I, I knew there was a contractor coming up, but I did so many parts of the sort of demo. I just got to a point where I just need to have somebody come in and do this. Do it yourself. <laughs> Sometimes it's just you try to save money and it costs you and your time and energy. So sometimes it's just better to hire yeah. someone. So you did that on your home. Did you make money on that 2017 flip? Absolutely. I, I bought it in 2013 for 155 and I was overpaying. I, I bid over what the other bids were and to win the property. I think it sold for a little under three, uh, 395 Wow. when I sold wow. it in 2020. Okay. So it was obviously a long, long run. Uh-huh. I was debating whether to keep it as a nurse rental, but I wanted to realize the equity so I could invest that in, into other properties. That's phenomenal. So from there, you met Manny, you read The Rich Dad, and then when did you get in uh, Pace Morby's Sub 2 community? So that was, that was in May 2020 when he began it. Okay. But in 2019... I'd found a, an education company that were previously related to Rich Dad, paid a lot of money for that. Um, What's a lot of money for the viewers out there? It was with all, all bits thrown in between thirty and $35,000. Very common, guys. Um, when I started working with the Canadians, Rich Dad wasn't out there, but there was someone similar to Rich Dad, and Rich Dad has since bought the Canadians program, and so... The Canadians I was mentoring in 2009, 2012, those packages were anywhere, yeah, 35,000 was kind of the entry. Yeah. The so they were paying 35 to 100,000 for a lot of those packages. Yeah. yeah. So. So it was it was definitely there was definitely value there. I didn't understand the industry well. I wasn't inspired to take action. Was it a local um, mentor or in um, Arizona? Or was that there a, was. That's an interesting thing. So the, there was a mentor included in my package which would spend three days with me or two days with me. That was like a, a fair size buy-up. Um, and it wasn't like I've seen other mentors being sold or presented since. Mm -hmm. He had experience, but it, but it didn't align with what I was looking to do. But I wouldn't have known that until I had more experience in the business to know that that wasn't a good fit. 100%. So you, you got into it, and it's led you to where you are today. Oh, I, I was bitter about it initially uh -huh. after comparing them what I found Pace was giving for the value. Um, but I look back, and I can't regret any of it. Any, you know, There are decisions I could have made differently in life, but right. I'm sitting here talking to you. Got you none, in the game. None of the path <laughs> yeah. would have got me here had something been a little bit different. Because you, know? you took action, so we had talked about this earlier too. For many of you guys that don't know, I have a course right now on short-term rentals. It's amazing. It's world-class. But again, we were talking about action versus non-action. Like a lot of people have seen it. Mine's only $97 a month. I would think that would be a no-brainer, but there's always... Like, I'm not a salesperson, so I'm here to provide value to people from my experience in Airbnb short term and would love everyone to join. But, like, some people, maybe it's just not their time to do it. Maybe they're not action takers because a lot of people buy a book and course and never do anything with yeah. it. 
Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting topic and, and I love some of the psychology behind it as well because I look at my journey. I didn't really take action for about seven months after starting that program. Mm-hmm. My first campaign was with a friend of mine who we did a tax delinquency program. And, you know, referring back to Steve, I think he's said in previous interviews that he, th- he used to overthink things or think a lot about details. And, mm, yes. you know, I, I was overthinking that before just getting Is that out that there. analytical brain in you yeah. that just like, what if this, what if that? Exactly, yeah. yeah. So I, I did that campaign. I got one deal out of it. It was a, it was a great deal. It was a JV deal with, with Grayson, and, and it was amazing. But it was a, a deal that taught me so much. It was one of the best first, probably the best first deal that you could get. And you in. did a JV. So if people who, who are watching that don't know that, that's a joint venture with a guy named Grayson. Had he had experience, Grayson? Yes, he was experienced. That's very important, guys. Work with someone that has done it in their niche when you start. So whether it's a mentor or a JV agreement, that's going to make your life so much easier. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Pace was talking about it earlier today. You work with people that have got keys to unlock doors that you don't have the key to. Right, right. It's the key. It's the magic behind. And so many of us are able to, willing to help. But again, I, I, I read this years ago from Wayne Dyer. He's one of my favorite authors. When the student is ready, the teacher will, will appear. But mm. once you're ready in your life, because we're all at different stages in our yeah. life. so. And, and, and that's a great reference back to the education that I had. I went to Vegas in October for their first, you know, the first event that came up in my subscription to them, what year or whatever it was. Uh, that was a great thing. I met another guy. I bought another $10,000 thing from them when uh-huh. I did that. That was very intense, but, but you very put helpful. Skin, they call it skin in the game. You, yeah. you bet on yourself. And a lot of people are like, oh, I'll just read this book. Well, it's... It doesn't work. It, it can work, but it's that much harder. And I'll say that very clearly for anyone that's watching. The only person that you should gamble on Vegas is yourself. That's the only place you should place money to bet. I'm, I'm not a gambler. Yeah, if I'm in Vegas, I'll take a certain amount, but I, I always bet on myself, like you said. And Absolutely. That, you have to be educated and, and know what you're doing, but then bet on yourself that you're going to kill it. Like, I mean, crossing the road is a risk. But it's a managed risk. You look around you, make sure yes. nothing's coming that's yes. going to hit so you. So we don't want you to get in this game. You know, there's so many different ways you could get in real estate. But for me, it's short-term rentals. But I wouldn't want you to just get in without educating yourself. That That's yeah. stupidity, right? Take the classes, learn yeah. from people in the community, and then you take action. I mean, Brent Daniels talks about, I think it was Brent talking about the three T's, time, talent, and treasury. You may have one or more of those things. So you may have time, but no money and no skills. So mm-hmm. you put the time in to build the skills and build some revenue, JVing or contributing to somebody else's business. Or you bring money and you contribute that to help somebody else that does have the time to do the marketing for you, tee up the leads if, you got, if you're a closer, if you don't have, you know, find somebody that's a closer. So there's, there's so at least three ways. So you have to have one of those is what Brent Daniels is saying. Time, talent, or what was the third one? Treasury, money. Okay, so and not everyone's got money, but people that don't have money sometimes right. have more time. But there's a balance and a. And so a, from your experience, um, Tristan, because I hear this a lot, like, and I think I had in my head too, like, oh, I can't do real estate. I don't have any money. I don't have it. So yeah. what do you say to the folks watching in regards to like 
that fear because I think it's a false fear from sure. my experience now. I mean, I remember probably the first two events from this education company that remain nameless going in there and they're talking about using OPM, other people's money. They're talking about finding out what credit cards, lines of credit that you got. And it really seemed really scammy and kind uh -huh. of a bit sketchy. And I think the way it was leveraged was not 100% great because it was really finding out how much you could spend on their course. That was the reason they were using it. But it did lend itself, no pun intended, to... Um, you know, what you could leverage for capital to get into deals. 100%. And it's not necessarily just your own, but the, the phase that I'm, I'm in right now is, is private capital raising. So you're starting a private fund or you're, are you I, doing I'm, that right actively? I'm researching that right now. I, I, for, I don't know how far we want to bounce back and forth, but yeah, I've, I'm, I'm looking to do a, probably a regulation CF, a crowdfund fund. Excellent. Or one of a couple of other different funds that I'm looking and, at And right that's now. the thing, guys. When you're in the game, like, there's so many different opportunities that you wouldn't know about unless you were doing flips or meeting folks. Yeah. So, like, things are the same, but they're always changing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, evolving. So now you're going to be having your own fund, and, like, it, it just leads you, like, all these steps have led to right here yeah. in raising money. And, and I'll say one thing on money having that conversation about using other people's money. One of the biggest things, and I've got a podcast called Birth to Net Worth, where we're just trying to normalize the conversation about talking about money. You know, there's Dave Ramsey on one side of things. There's, there's another. <laughs> yes, the you know, two extremes. Very right? extreme things. Right? And I think, you know, Dave Ramsey is, is great for people that have a struggle in the past with money mm -hmm. and probably in the future that maybe they aren't necessarily able to handle money as well as other people. And nobody's perfect with money. But the big thing is your relationship with money. How were you raised? What were your parents' attitudes to money? How was money handled? Was it handled like this with scarcity because there wasn't enough? Or was it abundantly handled? Those two different... Yes, you know, those are powerful references when you're yeah. growing up because we all learn from someone. Like The other thing is credit. Did your parents understand credit? or not like those we, are we didn't have credit in the uk so it was way different you, for you borrowed yeah. money based on your income and the fact that you hadn't shown yourself to be a bad lender a bad borrower i think they've got some scoring since i've i've left at this point because mm -hmm. it's just evolution of finances but i i think but you brought up a great point for the viewers to understand what is your true relationship with money it's you have to identify that and understand the psychology yeah. behind that because for me, like, when you squeeze an orange, what do you get? You get orange juice. Yeah. Like, so when someone squeezes you, and if there's scarcity, that's what you're going to get in the world. So mm. that abundant mindset, it comes with sometimes we have to retrain. And that's why YouTube and watching videos on affirmations and things of that nature have really helped me. Yeah, and this, this will be a self-limiting belief you don't realize you have. And at every level, and, you know, I'm progressing at whatever pace I am and, and there's no there's no right or wrong speed for progression. You're gonna to get to where you are. You're always at the perfect place every moment of the 100%. Your life. Yep, because that's your journey. That's Absolutely. different for Flip versus Tristan versus Pace, like everyone. And then when you start comparing yourself to people, that's when you get in trouble. Comparison is the killer of all joy. Yes. You will never enjoy your life comparing yourself to others. And you know, without getting onto tangents of social media, 
I think this is why there's, this is a huge contributor to teenage depression and anxiety because they're comparing themselves to other people's um, highlight reel of their life. And sometimes it's not even the highlight reel. Sometimes it's just a, Most of it a is, BS reel. It's fake. <laughs> like right. They're, they're putting on a false front. So if you really get to know those people, it's, there's filters. There's all kind of ways you could portray yourself. So years ago, I read a book about the man in the mirror. The only person you have to face is yourself every day. So look yourself in the mirror and try to be as honest as you can with yourself but it's all a journey it's all a learning experience and there, there are so many great topics here we could talk for days the man in the mirror i've not read the book but i did a psychedelic meditation retreat a few weeks ago and one of the things that they were talking about was mirror work talking to yourself in the mirror having conversations mm. with yourself and I, I realized like in the last couple of weeks i don't look at myself in the eye in the mirror not that i'm avoiding eye contact I'm looking at my hair or my beard or my toothbrush, whatever it is I'm doing, but I'm not looking at myself. I don't believe deep down that's due to shame or any other sort of mm -hmm. emotion or you know, negative situation, but when do we take the time to look ourselves in the mirror and congratulate ourselves that something went well? You know, That's and, important. To, I learned that from Tony Robbins to celebrate your wins, whether it's a small victory during the week or it's like a big deal that you were working sure. on. So it's all relative, right? What I think is big maybe. So you always got to stretch, stretch too. So. But we will take our skills for granted. If you were to, and, and this is another thing I was thinking of doing recently is like an anonymous like web type form or something, send it to my friends and say, look, I'm in a period of growth as I always am. What can you tell me about me that is your favorite thing about me? What am I known for? What am I known for with you and your friends that know about me in the good sense? What are the things that I could improve on that I shouldn't be doing as far as are their behaviors, are there things in business that I'm really not suited to, but I'm just got a blind spot that I can't yep. see. We all have blind spots, right? And, and you know, a section to be completely candid, you know, it'd be an anon anonymous feedback form. Love it. Please tell me the things that you really dislike about me and we should always want feedback even though like sometimes it's not it's it's just constructive like i've always loved for people to give me feedback because it's a different perspective and then i could either say yeah i'm gonna work on that or oh they don't know but like if you're getting sure. consistent feedback yeah. for one thing you know you need to work on that yeah and and obviously you're not going to send that out to your you know huge circle of friends you're going to send out some trusted people that yep. you know and those are the people that ask you for, for honest feedback. Those are the people that ask you for your input because they trust you and you trust them to a level that that is, that is not, you know. Yes, it could be anonymous. It could be face-to-face. -face, but I'm open to either. I want to give somebody the... You're open because I think you're one of those people that wants to grow consi consistently and you attract those people in your life too. Like, so... Talk to me about, like, once you got on this journey, um, did you keep the same friends? Have you lost friends over the years? And, you know, because our focus shifts in life if we're sure. growing and evolving. Sure. Um, amongst other things, and not to get too personal, but I started my personal growth journey around 2007, doing a bit of energy work with a couple of people that I met while I was working a second job at Fry's Electronics. Um, I started the journey then, and that, that had some positive effects on me, but 
drew my ex-wife and myself apart interesting in, in many yeah. ways um but i accept that as growth and you know it's all growth our so-called failures or i had a divorce too and i took that really hard because in our family there's no divorces so i was like the first one and like i thought i failed but through that i learned a ton yeah. and it was right for me yeah but you know at that time when you're going through it you're like oh um, what's wrong with me and so you question yourself yeah and and but it's all growth yeah yeah i i grew so much but there was there was a lot of sort of grudge that i was holding on to and and a lot of you know they say what you resist will persist mm. i was so adamant that i wasn't going to be a victim that i wasn't going to be this that and the other but i found that I became that because I was trying to resist it. Oh, what wow, you accept yes. transforms. And there's so many deep layers of healing. And, you know, um, it's just amazing. We think we fixed something or we think we've overcome something. And then imagine you've got a little a rock in your shoe. You've got like a big piece of gravel in your shoe. You're going to notice that pretty well. But once you get rid of that one, then you're aware of a smaller piece that gets in later on and the awareness level increases, you're more sensitive to knowing about these things and finding these things, the further you go down the journey. Mm. So you can, have an equal, you can have an equal or greater level of disruption in your life by finding more fine granular issues that you come across or opportunities to improve, you become more sensitive to them that, as, you, as you hone that skill of being aware. Yeah, and we either face those or we bury those. So I choose to like, work on those daily because um, with Tony Robbins back, one of his things I learned from the, the main motivational speaker in the world was Kanai, constant and never ending improvement. And I believe in my soul that like, I'm always improving. Like if I'm not improving, I'm, I'm status quo. So I'm always trying to rise daily. And that, that is, that's an internal job though. Mm. It's not like a, job for someone at the real estate company oh i mean they could hold you accountable which is great but all big like the internal drive has to come from in yeah that that's the psychology right that's the yeah. mindset that's everything and that's why i believe in our community mindset even in my courses that's the first thing we mm. we we cover the mindset yeah i i don't know when it was it's probably about 20 years ago i did a one of these I don't know if it was like, a, it wasn't the disc test or Myers-Briggs. It was something similar to that personality test or whatever it was. And my polar opposite personality type was a motivational speaker, mm. which was like, they, they annoyed me. They frustrated me because how guys, this guy's so happy. and Right. Some, so what's big, wrong with that guy? I mean? yeah. Right, exactly. And then, you know, now I've got into this other world of there's so much opportunity but that the, only, the opportunity only opens up to the level of openness you are and the accountability that you have to yourself and your own actions and mindset and thoughts. Even five years ago, the thought of controlling your thoughts was like, there's no, mm -hmm. what are they talking about? Right, That's right. not possible. Right. And, you know, people like David Meltzer and, and many people that I've come across, Jim Quick, they've just been really helpful in understanding and recontextualizing how you look at yourself, mm -hmm. but you've got to get to a next level of openness to understand what that next thing can open up for you. Right. Accountability is within ourselves. Yeah. I can't hold you accountable. You can't hold me accountable. We could cause a failure in something we had in, as an expectation, 
but it's my accountability for every single thing that I do, and I can be accountable for my thoughts. I may have the thought, but I can say cancel. I yeah. can say that's yeah. not a positive, that's not a strengthening It's not building me to the, where I want to be. It's not who I want to be. Yeah. And, and the great thing, Tristan, it's your journey. Like, mm. Flip's journey is different than Tristan's, but we encounter similar challenges, I would say, along yeah. the journey of, you know, just, I think, controlling. Sometimes, for me, the reactionary stuff that I had to take hold of, like, because I'm a charge, take charge type of person, but... I had to learn, you can't react, otherwise you're gonna implode, and I did. I got really sick like four or five years ago because I think I didn't, wasn't like self-aware, I'd say the Mm. self-awareness wasn't there. I was getting caught up in the business, and so the self-awareness has evolved, and it's still evolving, and we all have to work on something in, in ourselves. It's almost like we need to be in the eye of the storm, in the calm, in the center of that storm mm-hmm. where you can see it all going on around you but can, you can be as at peace as you possibly can be and not reactive to it but just aware of accept that everything's going on around you and just you and, know. and one thing i did learn is if there's a problem guys we don't have to address it right away because what someone else considers a problem may not be that big of a deal so like you have to understand when to address things and sometimes more energy for me is in the morning. So sometimes you, my mentor taught me this too. He's like, hey, Flip, I can't get you an answer right now, but let me think about that. So he took time to think instead of like, yeah, I'll do this, I'll do that, Mm. versus just like making a quick, because sometimes we think people want to know right away, but they're willing to give us, you know, time. Hey, Mm. you know, Tristan, let me think on that, and can I get back to you tomorrow, and we'll, we'll talk about Keith it. Keith Cunningham wrote The Road Less Stupid. I don't know if you've read that book. I haven't read, read that, that book. He's a very dry reader of the book. It wasn't the most exciting listen on Audible, but he was a very powerful human being and, and uh-huh. writer and definitely put amazing content in there. Um, for, for about a year and a half, two years, I was a, a recreational listener to audiobooks. I'd listen to them. And then I jumped to the next one and jumped to the next one without implementing stuff. And I realized the last two or three months, that's not, you're not getting what you can from the books. But referring to your thinking time, Keith was talking about setting aside thinking time to go and, you know, schedule thinking time. Mm. So I think he referred to a, a client of his that he had taken a problem to or somebody had taken a problem to and they said, oh, I'll schedule at two o'clock in the morning on whatever day it was to go and think about that. That set the expectation when they'd get a response. But it was interesting that they would set time for going and thinking about one particular thing. So they got it off their mind until that point. Then they could go and clearly think about that problem. Yes. So that... Hey, guys. Quick announcement. I just launched my new Passive Income Accelerator course. In this course, you'll learn how I built my Airbnb portfolio to 10 properties and growing while amassing three to $5,000 per property per month. If you wanna learn more, go to piaaccelerator.com slash go and sign up for the early bird special. And now back to the podcast. Getting it out for me has helped where so we call it dumping. We call it dumping. Mm. So every Sunday we do 
it's an hour, I do an hour of power, but it turns into a couple hours where you dump everything out first yeah. and then you break it down. I try and take a dump every day at the end of the day <laughs> to drop my thoughts down so that you can empty whatever's left from the yeah. day. Yeah. And I, I bought this book. My friend Eddie suggested I got it about a year and a half ago. I, th I can't remember what it was called. No, it was something like High Performance Planner thing. And I've only just really got it out and decide I'm going to use it because now I'm in a place that I can now be in that kind of thing. I've tried the time blocking. Mm -hmm. That wasn't great on its own. I've tried not doing anything and just being very scattered. And this has been very helpful in there's some um, mindset. So what's your message for yourself the next morning? What are your things that you need to accomplish today? What things need to be accomplished? Like the top three things. There's an area for notes. There's time for some time blocking. And then at the end of the day, there's kind of a a brain dump area where you can kind of put down what's what's left to hand over the next day. When you come in the next morning, you can clear your mind to go to sleep and know that next day you've got the thing to come up with. And then there's a weekly summary as well where you can take a bigger dump there and that way you can fill out what's coming up for the next week. And there may be things that you, at the end of that week, they're no longer relevant right. to you or life. So the point is, guys, you have to give certain things a try and see if they work for you because just because it works for Tristan doesn't mean it's going to work for Flip. But right. like you found something and you, one of the other things that we talked about earlier is like there's a lot of great teachers, a lot of great mentors, guys, but give yourself time. Like give yourself time to stay in the course for a year, two years. Like you can't hop from Flip to Pace to like all these different courses because you'll drive yourself crazy yeah. and guess what none of them will work guys none of them because you weren't firmly 100 percent committed to staying the course and, and i think there's a reference to the survival energy there as well because people it's almost like they want to get rich quick scheme how do, how fame, do I, instagram yeah, yeah i mean my friend steve he, he he was on my podcast a few months ago and he's he got fed up with a job and he said, how do, I, how do I become a millionaire quicker? How do I get rich quick? He found real estate, he found Steve Trang and then found Pace Morby. But when people are looking to make money quickly, it's generally in a survival relationship to money. Mm. It comes back to that mindset with money. Yes. And there are too many people that get into real estate and particular courses where they can afford to make the first payment. They, they expect to get a deal by the end of the 30 days and close the deal and get paid for it so that they can make the next payment. And it's not a great thing to do, but there are some, some very solid high-level players out there that are better at delivering content and setting expectations. Setting expectations is, is giant, yeah, because that's so big. But arguably, we can't be responsible for figuring out that person's psyche and figuring out if they need their expectations set or not. There's a revenue model for, you know, setting up these memberships and masterminds yes. and things to generate revenue. Um, but these people need to, we, we need to do that when we talk to people about getting into real estate is, could be people who waited over a year. I think many people have waited over a year to get their first deal because it's just getting everything in alignment in their own mind, their mindset, their understanding, their education. Yeah. Some cases, in a lot of cases, over analysis and analysis paralysis. Mm. But between those things, yeah, you, you want to Thomas, be Thomas was an engineer from my church 20 years ago and 
I wonder if he's still analyzing deals. Shout out to Thomas, but same thing. He would want to, hey, Flip, can I go with you to drive? I'm like, sure, because I, you know, hop in the car, we'll go, and just can I have this question? But, like, eventually, guys, you got to jump in the pool. Yeah. Or don't jump in the pool, but find something that you really enjoy and not only for the money, too, because yeah. if you're only chasing the money, it's, I don't know, it's hard journey. Yeah. The, the, we are the journey and we are the result. And you mentioned failures earlier on, but success is a series of well-managed failures. And 100%. success, is, success oh, is a journey and not a destination. I mean, to put it in basketball terms, they raise the trophy that one day that they win that final. Next day, back to training for the back next to work. One. They're not champions <laughs> yeah. anymore because it's the new season. Yeah. There's always someone... You always compete. I compete with myself. That, that's what I like. How can I? Yeah. All right. I want 40 Airbnbs this year. How many do I want? Like, so it's, it's a journey for someone, their internal journey. So let me ask you this, Tristan, for those people out there that are new, you've been an entrepreneur now for what? For how many years? Because you're fairly new, but in, you, in you're out there crushing it. Yeah. About three years ago, I got into real estate. When Full I got time or? Full-time for the last year and a half. I got okay. laid off in January last year, which was the best thing that could happen yeah. to me. Yeah. But I, I did start a small business in 2012, importing wall mounts for musical instruments for Europe. Okay. I didn't have a lot of time and energy to put into it. Didn't take action, so it wasn't successful. Mm. I then found photography. I made a little bit of money on the side, but again, it wasn't ever so meant to be. So dabbled a little bit in some other things. Yeah. And then you found... How did you find uh, the sub two community with Pace Morby? Like, because so that was 2020, right? That was 2020. Okay. Yeah. So 2019, I found this other program. Did another one with somebody else um, in November, and the second event for this company that I paid a lot of money to was in the January in in, in LA. So that was the first time I'd seen people with masks coming through. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. So it was right at, right at the airport in Los uh -huh. Angeles. And um, I did the fund fix and flip course on that one. But I heard these people talking about creative finance. Said, oh, you really need to learn this and get in that you should do that class next. Well, I didn't really think a lot more of it, but it stuck with me somewhere in the back of my mind. At that point, I was concerned about the market it been going up for so long. I need to learn. Was this overanalyzing at that point? Was that a, or that was just um, a valid? Some of that, but okay. it was also realistically, everyone else is expecting it to go up. It's got to come down at some point. So now is the time to, how do I position myself to make money in a down market? While everyone else is learning to go up. I found the basics, but now I know I didn't take action on that. How do I work out how to work with trustees was what I was thinking at the time, but we don't really work with trustees. That's just a part of that foreclosure. How do I do short sales, that kind of stuff? Not to necessarily do them, but just be familiar with the process so that when it came, I was maybe more familiar with the curve. I was here on the learning curve rather than right at the bottom where everyone else was just fumbling around and not getting there. So I got back. I went to Batch Services. They were just launching their SMS platform. I didn't know Pace or Jamil, but they happened to be there didn't know them at the time but within a week or so they started popping up on my youtube so okay. i started going down the, the the rabbit warren there and found pace and listened to a bunch of his so stuff. we're in arizona guys and 
Pace is in Arizona, Jamil with Keegley, those guys are amazing. They have an A&E show now if you want to check it out. Jamil's going to be on the podcast, but he's got A&E, so September he'll be on here, but again, check the, the Arizona, I don't know what it is about the water in Arizona. We have so yeah. many amazing like teachers out here. Yeah, and, and, and the collaborative nature of all of these people yes. is, the, is the, most, the most wonderful part of the community. The, that C word is the most powerful word here in Arizona. Yes, 100%. I mean, you've got Sean Terry, you've got Cody Sperber, who were really some of the really leaders in, yes. in doing this. online, they've been doing it for a long time. I've, I've known those guys 15 years or so, and they both got into coaching very early, and their programs are amazing, and they've helped so many people yeah. out there. And, and, they're, and they're just reaching down to help pull other people up. Because so they found something that works. They, yeah. They've done it. So I used to buy wholesale deals from um, Sean Terry um, and then Cody too. Same thing coming up. I used to sell him deals and they found that they were successful at a high level. They're like, how could I pull other people up? It, it's like, it's like a, you know, kind of feeding the world. It's they found the recipe that works and they're sharing the recipe that came from their kitchen with other people and just giving it away. There's obviously a price attached to some of that. There has to be, guys, because, again, the three things that Brent talked about, like the um, you have to start somewhere. And I, for myself, I bought um, Carlton Sheets. I don't know if you may have not heard of him, but I was cleaning out my garage the other night. I found the uh, big thing that you put in the, the machine to watch these videos and stuff. But... I must have paid, I don't know, a thousand bucks. And then I went to a seminar for 5,000, but he was like the infomercial of no money down real estate back in the late nineties. And I bought everything I could from him and I tried it, but it failed. Like it didn't work, but like, I believe that I wanted to find something that I wanted to do. And a lot of the principles are the same today from what Carlton was teaching back then. Yeah, I mean, the the eighties were, you know, a real high time for creative finance with the high interest rates. I understand, obviously didn't live here, was very young at the time, but I understand with the 10, 15% interest rates, sellers couldn't wait to sell their property to somebody else so that they could buy another property at an existing interest rate subject to or seller finance where they didn't have to go to the banks for loans with 10 to 15% interest on them. Yes. So that, you know, obviously there were, there was a time before banks, so things were seller finance back in the and now dark we're ages. shifting back to creative finance so guys if you haven't learned creative finance now is a great time to yeah. to learn how to structure deals because the market's changed it's yeah and and coming back to the community you know pace has graced us with the sub two community uh, as i was fortunate to get in the first week so i've seen that growth from 20 people to five and a half thousand people or more now i remember is is uh, create financing with Pace Morby Group being two, two or three hundred people. Yes, it's over fifty thousand people now. Wow, possibly wow. more. And he's the one that got me onto Instagram. So shout yep. out to. And to I remember Pace. watching your podcast with Pace. Yes, you know, yep. back back a long time ago. So Pace has built this community, which is a network of of real estate investors that are very collaborative in the spirit of the Go Giver, which I see on your bookshelf over there. Brandon Simmons was the reason that. Uh, Jesse Burrell, Evo, Annie, Pace, 
Jamil, Steve yeah. Trang. He's talking a lot of, so many a lot of history there. Yeah. And, and they were the, really the genesis for the current generation of, of mentorships um, and technology in the business. They were able to get together, provide that massive value, the massive impact on so many people. And, and cause, But you know, look at all the people that were around them and today, those guys are all crushing it because they understood you can't create the wheel on your own. Like, yeah. they learned from Jamil Pace, um, still learning and growing. Right. So yeah. I would definitely recommend whatever state you guys are in, plug into your uh, RIAs, plug into people doing it. One of the things that we get quite a bit, Tristan, is, um, you know, if you're young, you, you don't have the money, how do you provide value to, you know, Tino, just the guys that are doing deals every day, you gotta be creative. What would you recommend to the viewers watching as far as value? That's, to that's where these conversations with not just yourself, but your friends come along, and the people that you may be wanting to work with, because, you know, Trying to have a cup of coffee or take somebody lunch is it's nice, but it's not really value for them. It doesn't great work. Value it does, their time. Trust me, if someone does that, I'll be like, I got a coffee pot over there. Like, right. I don't do lunch. Like, I there's got to be. It's, you you got to be clear on what you have or what you bring from a previous career or an existing career, and that's where I love to have these conversations. I'm I lead the Arizona Sub Two Accountability Group. I've also built a network, a national network of meetup groups with sub two students, Astro Flippers, uh, Disruptors. Everyone's welcome. It's an all inclusive community to be able to do deals that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do. Leverage skills that you might have learned from the mentorship you did, but I didn't do that. So now we can put our skills That's together. Big. Yeah. And you can bring value in that way. So, you know, I know Pace gives the example, Cody is partner. He, he was an integrator, he was a realtor, he could close the odd deal on his own, but he wasn't getting the traction that he wanted. Pace being the closer that Cody saw Pace on Steve Trang's show. Cody went to Pace, he said, I've got all of these leads. I don't want any money from them, but I just want you to walk through and see if you can close these and make some money from them so I can learn. And there's not many real estate investors that I know or would want to know that would just take those leads and give you nothing from them in, in return. Yep. But the intent and the understanding that you're leading with, you're, you're leading with the opportunity to give something to somebody else and not expect something in return. That's a great story. Is a great, great situation to be in. Now, you may not have read The Go-Giver, but I really heartily suggest you do. Giving more value than you receive in money. That's the first rule. Yeah. People are going to give, but they obviously need to have some expectations set between you and upfront contract that Steve would give you from a Sandler perspective. There needs to be an understanding of some sort of receptivity to that person that's giving. Now, the second law is, is the law of, um, law of value. I forget the second law's name, but basically the more lives of people that you affect, the, the law of compensation the more you're going to receive in payment. Yeah. So the bigger your influence. That's a, that's a universal law. That's just. It really is. It, yeah. And, and it all comes back to energy. And, and I just love the way Bob Burke and Bob Burke and, and uh, the, the guys put that book together. They got five or six books now that are all, mm. all amazing. But how can you bring value? It's either, you know, I have these conversations. So what did you do in your last job? Oh, you did that. So sounds like coming from a hotel background, you might have 
done customer service, you've been talking to people, finding out what their problems are. Yeah, yeah, I've done, done a lot of that, talked to a lot of people. Some of those people were really pissed off, weren't they? Okay, so you're probably going to come across some sellers that aren't happy. Sure. They're, yeah. they're ashamed of their situation. They're embarrassed. Those are people that you need to be able to interact with and, and provide empathy, compassion, mm. and really take on, not take on their energy, but understand that the energy Unders- they're in yes. to yes. be able to counteract that in a positive way that harmon- harmoniously allows you to then offer an olive branch or offer a pathway for them to find their way out of that. Right, right. That, that's beautiful because that's their story. So again, you don't take their energy in, but you listen to their story and you try to solve it from there. Um, so, oh, the integrator and the, so Cody was the integrator in that relationship? Is, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's very behind the scenes, but a great, great smart guy that um, has done a lot of business with Pace Morby. So is that the book of traction or what book is that? That, that was um, Rocket Fuel, which is Rocket the, Fuel, which that's is kind right. Of the, the, that's right. Because yeah. Pace, he recommended that book at lunch one day I was with yeah. him. So you need the integrator and the, um, what's the other one? The, the visionary. The visionary, so, yes. So you, there's, there's so many relationships that you don't know are there before you know these kind of definitions, but there's Walt Disney, the guy that was, had the ideas for the theme parks, the creative guy. He went bankrupt a couple of times. But his brother Roy Disney, that so few people know, he was the integrator in the business, the accountant that was actually put in the process and the managing the business mm. itself so that that success could follow. Yes. And then you got Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak from Apple. Jobs was obviously the visionary, Wozniak was the integrator. So in every them. successful business you have... In very many, yeah. In a, a large percentage. But yeah. to scale... With anything, the guy that runs IBM isn't making computers, programming, developing, all these things. You have to scale out and, and basically initially de- de- design that conveyor belt of what jobs need to be done. Yes. So in real estate, it's lead gen. Then you've got lead management. Then you've got negotiations and closing. Then you've got contracting. And then you've got finding a buyer if you're selling the deal. Then you've got the escrow dep- you know, officer. Then you've got distribution of funds and, and closing, that sort of thing. So you've got to figure out what your conveyor belt is. If you can understand what that conveyor belt looks like as a general process, then you can maybe understand where you fit in the conveyor belt with your previous skills. I like it. I like that question you asked someone because, again, sometimes we, we may not know what our value that we could bring someone. So you get someone that's outside that someone you know, but they're gonna ask you questions to kind of bring out, yeah, I do have value in that area that I could provide for Flip or Jamil or Tristan, but maybe just ask for help. And I know sometimes asking for help, I wasn't comfortable. It's kind of like, oh, you gotta ask for help. What's wrong with you? But it's total opposite. People are willing to help you along your journey because but they won't know you need help unless you yeah. ask for so it. how so do we know yeah thing. it's a mindset and i was stubborn like that too but once i started doing that it changed my life mm. to know that you're going to help me out if i ask you for something because everyone can help you in a certain way but what is it that you need help with tristan mm. so <laughs> that's the point so for you, man, I really see you doing large things in communities and networking. Is that, was that something that came natural to you or how did you start? Because you're all over. I'm like, Tristan's yeah. there, Tristan's at that meetup. And I've always been a networker and I always talked a lot. Not 
excessively so, but there was a point where I realized that I was talking too much, mm. that I wasn't listening enough. And it comes back to the, I think it was a, you know, I keep quoting books, but it just, it's natural to me to sort of reference in my own mind we all love to read. about it, yeah. how to make friends and influence people. And, you know, Bob Berg from The Go-Giver also says it, it's more important to be interested than interesting to listen to the other person because the other person often probably won't have a chance to talk about what their passion is, what their, what their, what their business is about. And also asking questions other than how are you doing? How's mm -hmm. your day? You know, yes. what are you working on, Flip? Tell me about that. Oh, you've got an engagement. It's something you actually chose to do, a project you've taken on, which has taken up some of your time and yeah. understanding and being yeah. interested Ask in that questions person, about that, that business. person. Another thing is use their name. I think that was in how to win friends and influence yeah. people. Like, so when I meet someone instantly in that conversation, I'll use their name like five times so I could remember when I'm at an event. So now, yeah. you know, they, that's the sweetest noise to people's ears is their own name. Right. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely a context to, you know, it's shaking the hand is the first time I Great to meet you, Flip. Yeah. Shaking the hand. It's a bond. It's a connection between you. And absolutely and using it a couple of times in the... That, yeah. yeah. But there's obviously those salespeople that you don't know, but they're using your name, Flip. Wouldn't it be great if you just said yes to this? They're just trying to get you to say yes, 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 yes. But it's a very uncomfortable thing it's for uncomfortable a lot of people. It's uncomfortable as hell. Because it's yeah, not I've never... I don't like to be pushed into anything. Like, I like to think about, like, oh, if I want the Mercedes, I'm... I don't need to be like sold on it. Like, yeah. I just need to be informed and educated on the benefits, but I don't like the sales. And some of my best realtors have been more analytical because I'm all about numbers. So the guys, Kyle was very analytical. He's a kind of an engineer type Kyle guy. Um, no, not Kyle. He's, he's very low key, Kyle Carr. Um, now he's flipping his own homes with his wife, Esther. Um, and then Ken Lund, same thing. They weren't like that pushy salesperson. They mm. showed me the numbers and most time we, they were right. Mm. So those are the types of, it's more about relational for me yeah. in my courses. Anyone that knows me, it's like, I want you to su succeed more than I succeed because that's true success. When people are struggling in nine to five or whatever, then all of a sudden they learn from you they, they're making 3,000, I mean, 3,000 extra every month. How great is that if you're on a yeah. fixed income? So just that's what excites me. And hearing student success is the, the joy for me in, yeah. in doing this. And so those are the, the types of teachers that always attracted me that would um, not be like pushy. You got to do this. You got to do it. Yeah. Like if I want to, I'll research it and ask good questions. Mm. I mean, so many people are very helpful, and, and one of the areas that I have grown is, you know, I read The Go-Giver, and I was, I'm a very helpful person as it goes anyway, and learning from my parents, observing how they were, just giving a lot. And it's not to say I'm a saint or anything, but one of the areas I've grown in the last few months is putting my own oxygen mask on because my business wasn't going as well as it could do because I was trying to help many other people mm, and also trying to do point. too many yeah. things, too many streams of income I was reaching for. And again, you would say in chasing the dollar instead of chasing the purpose, 
mm. behind yes. the results will follow mm -hmm. and really reining in on my time and respecting my time and therefore respecting myself more because I'm valuing my time instead of just giving it away completely. Right, but, but do you think just getting into the game, you, that's why you're trying to like spread yourself all over to like me? I think, like, I think when, was I wasn't when I wasn't focused enough coming from the divorce and healing through that and, and being in a survival energy, I was maybe in more of a scarcest mindset of I need to do more to bring more money and right. reaching for more things instead of focusing more calmly and peacefully on certain things that I knew I was better at because I didn't know the game as well up till, you know, just along the way, you just grow through that. And it's just understanding more about your own peace, finding more peace and understanding that focusing on a few things instead of trying to spread yourself on many things is going to be more enjoyable. Yes. Um, more L calm and more, more productive. Laser focus is what my mentor taught me. And like those people, he, they're like in their eighties or nineties now, but he said the people he associated with, they had laser focus. They stuck to their business now. Yeah. Like that, that just, cause they did it every day with yeah. the laser focus. So that's what, eventually I had to do is like, cause you, you get, uh, on your path and then you get people over here that want you over there. So yeah. like, what's your target? Like, what do you want? What, what cause your target's different than my target. So yeah. that's very important to know your target and know that there's going to be some people, some situations that may pull you away from the target. So, you know, just understand it. Yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. your target right now is community. It's raising money. What are those your main ob objectives? So I'm continuing to fix and flip. I, I work with different partners on fix. And so flips you do JVs with those. So yeah. you're not fully because there's good money be made in fix and flip, but there's a lot of time invested too. Cause yeah. there's a lot of moving parts. So you have partners, JVs that yeah. are, you're working with. When you find the right partners, it just makes life so much easier. For sure. And respect of the other person and what they're putting into it and knowing that even though you're a JV partner, just just bring as much value to those and people that's the that leverage. you get to love and they get to love you because it's a trusting relationship. Yeah, right? but the leverage you talked about, so not only leveraging money, but leverage partners too. Mm. So Yeah. So, yeah. Flipping is going to continue, obviously looking to buy more conservatively, more deeply to make sure that we stay, you know, buying the right properties at the right price. Cause you never make money on the exit. You make money buying right. Yeah. And in this market, it's, it's even more important to do that. I'm doing, doing some JV work, which is scaled back a bit with other students from pace and other wholesalers, but I'm being much more careful about where I'm putting my time, where I'm putting my money. I'm setting up ex upfront expectations more clearly to what I'm, what I'm able to work with to make my time and their lead more effectively worked with. Efficiency, it sounds Efficiency, like you're, yeah. you're... Um, And yeah, just, I, I've got a podcast to, called Birth to Net Worth, which is looking to educate children through their parents on financial literacy. Beautiful. And our journey becomes more financially literate. The more zeros there are, the more diligent we need to be with our money and yes. understanding of what we can do with money. But the purpose behind that is to launch a charity called 40 Fourteens, which 
I was looking for a purpose about a year ago mm. and I just couldn't find a purpose or a cause to stand behind because I was looking to find something that my kids would be interested in. That's a tough one. We got teenagers. I approached <laughs> it all wrong. <laughs> What's that? I then decided, well, if I can't find something they resonate with, what do they resonate that I can then get behind? Ah. And that was the big key right there. Interesting. So they, they raised the, the challenge with availability of, of mental health counseling, therapy services for teenagers. And I know just locked onto that. Very I don't know hard. if you know this, but I'm a behavioral health coach. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Through my struggles and journey of mental uh, things that happened about five years ago, um, I got sick. And then when, once I got healthy again, I like, so I just studied up. I, for a year, I, I stopped doing anything because I had to get healthy. So I went to recovery and basically learn more about the brain and like I was taking group classes. It mm. was amazing through my darkest times. It was the best thing ever that could happen yeah. to me. And then I ended up becoming a certified behavioral health counselor. Now I'm um, certified in suicide prevention. And so that's a real passion for me too. So would love to find out more about your charity. But um, yeah. again, it, it starts, it could start at a very young age. And yeah. Nowadays, um, you know, I have a friend who I met on Instagram and he goes into high schools and speaks across the country about yeah. mental health because there's still a stigma there and yeah. there shouldn't be. So, you know, if you guys are struggling with that, definitely hit me up. There's the uh, suicide prevention line and uh, be happy to talk to you and, and help you out in any way possible. Yeah, it's, that, that's obviously a huge problem even before COVID and before the isolation was, was a huge multiplier, I think, for mental health challenges mm -hmm. for teenagers and, and just society in general. The struggle, I think, and another area we can impact is bringing awareness to parents because they may not know that that's, they may not know, because you look in a definition in a dictionary, what is depression, what is anxiety, what are these things? You see what the dictionary definition is, but we're all an infinite expressions of the universe. Mm. And anxiety and depression are different for every single person. Yes. So you can't look at that and say, oh, those symptoms don't match, you know, or even just know that there are so many symptoms that aren't necessarily documented clearly because they're a combination of symptoms. You know, they, they lead to other things like, you know, eating disorders and all sorts of things and, you know, suicidal ideations as well. Mm -hmm. As parents... We need to be aware of those things. We need to be normalizing the conversation, not just on money, which we said earlier, but also mental health as well. Mental health is a, is a giant. I'm a big proponent. And uh, yeah, yeah, that is, shouldn't be a hard subject to talk to your kids about. But for my parents, you know, if something's wrong, it was just suck it up. That's the generation. So, yeah. you know, now we're more open talking about feelings and things mm -hmm. like, and that is how it should be because yeah. otherwise we bottle stuff inside yeah. and then it's got to go somewhere. It's got to, you yeah. know, so thanks for doing that. I mean, that'll be cool to check out that yeah. podcast. So, um, so the, 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 the duality between the podcast and financial literacy and the charity, one of the main reasons that I'm looking to start a fund is so that I can start a fund that owns multifamily that can then invest some of the money that we bring in from products that we put in front of the parents for the financial literacy. So we can, you can get a whole life policy for a one day old baby mm. and you can start putting money into that, you know, infinite banking is one of the terms used in that area. 
self-directed IRAs, you can put up to $6,000 a, a year yeah. in for an individual. And, and again, you don't know what you don't know. So you, if the information wasn't presented, yeah. people, people don't know right. these things. So that's great that so you're... So we're putting products out there so that the parents can maybe switch over a 401k that now has a low value. They can suck up the tax payment on the 401k to pull it out and roll it into something else. That's, po that's an after-tax uh, product, they can invest with their kids into the fund, and we're hoping there's a way that they can give some of the return to the charity as a tax write-off, depending on what the structure of their mm -hmm. investment is. That can help sustain the charity. So the teens that are growing up learning about handling money are supporting their peers by donating to this thing. By the time they get to 16 and have their first day job, They've got some charitable donations they can write their tax off, so they never actually have to pay tax with depreciation and everything else that's involved. Very early stages, but I've got some great it's team members around that are willing to help me. Bryant, Marie, um, Greg, Chris. That's, that's We've got wonderful. so many people that want to be part of this. Yeah, so there's a purpose. Again, you have to have a bigger purpose than I just want to make uh, six figures or seven figures in real estate um, because that that's an empty, like that's, you can't always be chasing it. And I, I see it with our community and how great people are in giving back and mm. doing things that will sustain not only their lifetime, but their yeah. past their lifetime. And, and that's, that's the two ends of the, the, the causation. We're helping solve problems for homeowners, but this is the other end that again, isn't talked about a lot because people are sometimes private about what they're giving. But the other end of things is, you know, some religions are tithing. They're giving 10% yes, of their money back yes, to a church yes. or an organization. So maybe they have false, they've learned some things that weren't true through church or wherever. But this is... this is. But, but equally to that, if they're giving to something they believe in, us in real estate, we can give back to society in another way by donating things to not necessarily my charity, but some charity you believe in. It's a tax write-off at the and end of the year. After you had your meetup, and thanks, AZ, uh, let's see, phxjv.com. <laughs> I got a lot of three, phxjv.com. Thanks for coming out to the luxury uh, and doing the Airbnb tour. I'm, thanks for hosting it here. Um, after you left, I was like, man, with each um, short-term rental, I could actually donate i don't want to donate through airbnb because they have that option but mm. i was thinking do we give the guest option hey if you want to donate pick your favorite charity i'll donate 10 percent of whatever mm. you paid me to your favorite charity just yeah. something i was playing around with but um i think people would really you know be enrolled in that if i ask them as a super host hey you know i'm gonna donate 10 percent of what i already made to your favorite charity yeah. what who do you want to donate to yeah. so i'm thinking about setting you made me think about that so thank you you're welcome yeah i think it's so important to to have that receptive or reciprocity with with just community as the whole, I think it just completes the circle. It, it's, it's like that story analogy of the Dead Sea, you know, like it doesn't flow. So you go there and it's, everything doesn't flow in the, the water. It's like old and like just trash is in there, but you go to this open sea and everything is flowing. So you have to mm. make it flow. Like, mm. and it starts with us guys, like 
squeeze an orange, you get orange juice. Squeeze a lemon, you get lemon. So you got to figure out the flow, and it, it 110% always comes back into your life, whether it's from that person you're giving value to or the like someone yep. else in the universe it's like cutting the fruit tree down in the front yard that people can't just go by and pick off an orange when they're ripe you, you cut it down you take the oranges off that once and then it's finished mm. but if you leave the tree there for other people to pick some fruit from then you know it's it's going to be helpful for it's a legacy for so generational so i i learned a ton today tristan just from chatting i really appreciate you being on Cut the Curb, episode 13. Um, where do people reach out to you and find you if they want to hit you up? Um, at Tristan Trenberth on Instagram. Um, I've got a YouTube channel, Tristan Trenberth there. And um, I've got a Facebook page, same name, funnily enough. Excellent. Um, but excellent. yeah, we've, we've got a national network of meetup groups. There's a Facebook group called Creative JV. Join us in there. We've got about... 15, 1,600 members in there. We've awesome. got groups in New York, New Jersey, Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston. Austin's going to be coming online before too long. Tampa, um, Atlanta, so SoCal. We've got NorCal coming online. Obviously, Phoenix. We've got a Tucson group. We're, we're starting to grow very, very quickly now. We're doing, we're doing generally a meetup a month with a couple of guests that come and talk about something you know pertinent to real estate. Then we do flip walks. We come and walk Airbnbs. What we want to do is introduce people to wholesalers and, and investors into different parts of the community. Love it. Last Love month, we had somebody come and talk about Airbnb arbitrage. We came and then visited Flip's um, property right here. Um, so we're learning and answering questions about that. We learn about construction. But we're also introducing wholesalers, investors, the buyers. Mm. Why do you buy this property? What was the reason that you did this? What did you look at in the inspection period? Was there something you missed? Was there something that you didn't need to do that you budgeted for? What is your buy box? So, you know, you go to the store, you generally got in your mind what you're going to go and buy. Right. But one of the problems with wholesalers, they'll just go and buy generalized lists, but they're not knowing who the buyers of those properties that they may come across and prospect may be. So if we take people out to, you know, one of my flips or one of Brandon's flips, we're introducing you to a buyer, so you can say, oh, in 85254, we're looking for four-bedroom, three-bathroom properties at 2,000 to 3,000 square feet, this kind of build year. So you get to know that, oh, if I mark it in that area, then I'm going to call Brandon. Brandon, I come across a place similar to the one that we walked a few weeks ago. Can I send you some pictures? Can you tell me what we'd pay for it? That way, before you've locked it up, you already know what the buy price is. You've already got a buyer. See so if you can lock it up for three hundred thousand, but they'll pay six hundred thousand for it. You've got a great day. I love that because again, he is the guy down in that zip code. So I may even have one for you in Scottsdale. I'm trying to figure out the prices. So mm. that's that's so cool. So for these um, groups, is there a charge or how do people? There's no charge. For so these it's groups. free. Yeah, free to join. And and there's you know we get American Title Service Agency that sponsor our events here in Phoenix. They're amazing people. Helena, Gayla, Eileen, the whole team's amazing. Awesome. Tori, they'll get you on their list for, you know, whether it's foreclosure listings, whether it's, you know, they give a lot of market breakdown for Arizona as well, which is huge. We need to stay on top of what's happening with the market very, very carefully. Yes. What's in the news is normally two or three months behind what's actually going on. And when you get it from the, from the title agency, it's generally information they've sourced from, you know, the last three to four weeks. Sometimes it's from the Cromford report from Tina Tambor and her team. 
And when you get a chance to see Tina speak or one of their team, it's so important to go along. Go listen to the stats, the numbers. I mean, yeah. educate yourself. But I, w I would say one thing for you guys that don't know about the uh, meetups, like for me, because I'm, I'm kind of an introvert, I, I, I don't like always to be around a, a lot of people. And there's probably some of you guys like that too, where you could just go and you know spend a little time everyone's kind of in the same boat there's a lot of new people they don't know anyone either so just give it a shot and uh you know maybe take a business card with you and you don't need to meet everyone just you know if you're, you're comfortable just meeting a few people this your first meetup that's fine and then gradually you get more comfortable going into these groups yeah and and you can you can get to choose who you might want to speak to from the questions that are being asked. Um, there's sometimes me and some of my friends will ask questions that we know the answer to, but some of the newbies may not think to answer, ask the questions or may mm. be too shy to ask the questions or go over content like that because then it gives that entry point that somebody doesn't feel embarrassed or right. something to That's answer a, a newbie point. question. Yeah. And there's no stupid question unless you already know the answer. I yeah. Mean, so <laughs> ask away um since this has cut the curve one thing in your let's say you're a year and a half into full-time real estate investing yeah. is there one thing looking back tristan that you would have cut your learning curve if you were to start over again for our audience more collaboration sooner and just not over analyzing things jumping in more quickly and that okay. is done by partnering with other people collaborating with other people and that's just about the network that you have facts facts well i hope you guys enjoyed episode 13 of cut the curve and uh i i enjoyed it and thanks again for coming for out and me. hanging out with I appreciate us appreciate it thank you so awesome much. brother flip thank you thank you